today is going to be from Luke chapter 2 and verse 49. Luke chapter 2 and verse 49. Before we get into that, I just do want to make just a couple quick announcements uh, regarding the youth. Uh, last week we met with everyone that had anyone uh, in 3rd through 12th grade uh, regarding camp this year. And if you were not able to be at that meeting last Sunday, uh, expressing interest and getting some information about uh, camp for this summer, if you'll meet me right over here in this section of the auditorium, as soon as the uh, service is over today, I'd love to give you some information about camp. And then also, uh, Brother Mason mentioned this uh, on Thursday evenings, the youth department, uh, 7th through 12th, we're going to be doing a camp theme, kind of getting in preparation for camp and focusing on camp. It's called Is God in Your Camp? We'll be doing camp-style uh, competitions each Thursday night, have a lot of fun. And then also, teens, if you did not sign up yet for the Grandview for the King Youth Conference, uh, you can still do that. The cost is now $30. I think we have about 15 teenagers going. Uh, but there are a few of you that have not yet signed up. I encourage you to do that. And then also, lastly, there'll be a youth activity to Silver Falls State Park on Friday, June 29th. We're going to be hiking. Uh, teens, if you want to sign up for that, you'll need to bring a lunch and snacks or food. We'll be going to Handel's Ice Cream on the way home. And that's on Friday, June 29th from 9 to 4. You can sign up for that out in the lobby uh, with my wife as soon as the uh, service is over today. So I'd love to have each of you go and take advantage. T uh, teenagers, uh, a lot of times parents, you just need to give them a little push. Even, even if they maybe don't feel like going on activity, uh, parents get your teens involved. And uh, I encourage them to be involved in as many things as possible. So those are some things coming up and I'm excited about uh, this summer and uh, what the Lord will do in the lives of our teenagers. If you look in uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 49, there'll be a Bible there in the rack in front of you, also on the screen. For those of you who are able, if you'll please stand at this time. Luke chapter 2 and verse 49, I'll read as we follow along. The Bible says, And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you. All right. Thank you for that, ladies. Well, we're going to jump right in today. It's, it's uh, much later than usual. We had a, a lot of things, announcements, and some presentations as well. Glad to do that, but I certainly want to <coughs> jump right into the message this morning. We'll read that text verse again uh, from Luke chapter 2 and verse uh, 49. And uh, it'll, it'll appear there on the screen in front of you. If you have it in your Bibles, we'll draw your attention to it once more. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me, wist ye not, that I must be about my Father's business? And this morning, I want to speak on that simple thought, our Father's business. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we ask for your help and favor. We pray that you would guide and direct our words and our thoughts in the time that we have. And I pray that you'd help us to... Um, get our message uh, across, uh, your message. Lord, uh, help me to remember that which you'd have me to say and to, uh, Lord, I do my best to follow you to not say that which you'd have me not say. But uh, help us now in these few moments. We, we pray that you would encourage and challenge us today. Uh, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a message that is, of course, and I, I don't always do... Um, messages that are themed around events and dates of that nature. And uh, there is certainly enough in this message that is applicable to each and every one of us uh, because everybody has a responsibility to lead in some capacity. 
whether you're a single mom or whether you're a mom or, or especially for fathers, and it's, it much is said about that. I won't spend a lot of time on this thought, but I think one of the greatest breakdowns in our culture today and society today is the absence of fathers and the fact that they are not uh, doing what they ought to do. And typically, uh, women many times are forced into those positions because a man's not doing what a man ought to do. Um, but that, too, is not the tenor of the message this morning. Um, and you, by your presence here, you've probably already done one of those steps in the right direction, being the kind of father that wants to make sure you're in the house of the Lord, uh, the type of young man that wants to be in the house of the Lord. But as we jump right in, I want to see several things uh, about my father's business. And first of all, notice one of the greatest characters in the Bible, Abraham, who was known as the father of the faithful. Prior to that, he's referenced in the book of Genesis as simply Abraham or Abram, rather. So Abram departed, notice on the screen in front before you there, as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Lot was his nephew. Abram's brother had passed away, and so he had asked him to (coughs) look after Lot. We know how that story unfolds. Uh, Abram in a time of famine, and I won't uh, beat him up over that, but in a time of famine and and trouble, he went down to Egypt. And when he went down to Egypt, he took Lot with him. Uh, He came back and uh, got things right with the Lord. Um, but, uh, and the first thing Abram did was he went to Bethel. He went to the house of God, but there's no record of Lot doing the same. We know what happens. Lot makes a decision as they begin to grow, and God blesses them. And the Bible says the herdmen of Lot, the herdmen of Abram, began to strive together. And uh, uh, Abram told him, he said, hey, you go to the right <coughs> or to the left, doesn't matter, and I'll choose the other. And the Bible says that Lot lifted up his eyes, beheld the plains of Sodom, that they were well watered everywhere. That was the choice he made. He winds up in Sodom and Gomorrah and pays for it dearly. Uh, lost everything. We know what, how God destroyed those cities. But this is rewind back a number of years prior. God tells Abraham to pack up and go somewhere, and he doesn't give him a whole lot of details. You know, God is, uh, he majors sometimes on the ambiguity when it comes to commands. And a lot of things are very specific. It's like Saul on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. He told him, he said, arise, go into the next city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. He said, I'm not going to tell you right now, but Lot's, or Ab- uh, Paul rather said, Lord, what will you have me to do? In other words, what do you want from me? God doesn't always give clear, specific uh, instructions. Uh, sometimes his will is general in, re- in that regard. But on this, he told him specifically, he said, I want you to leave where you're at. I've got another place, another plan for you. So the first thing that we see about Abram here in regards to our father's business is, is God always has some things that we gotta, we got to bail on, some things that you have to leave. For Abram, it was a country. We know the Bible also tells us, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Sometimes people talk about the wrong crowd. And in every culture, every society, every segment, every group and entity, there's always a bad component, a bad element. God warns them. In fact, the book of Proverbs was written by a man to a son. You find it throughout there, my son, my son, my son, and it's great wisdom. Uh, The Bible says that Solomon was the wisest man, uh, humanly speaking, on the planet. And so he gives this piece of advice to his son, and he tells him, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. In other words, make sure when you leave, there are certain things you leave. He tells Abraham, <coughs> he said, you got to leave your country. I have a better country for you. It's a type, if you will, about the world. 
God says for us to, to, to make no affection or affinity or close, deep roots with the world. The Bible says, uh, he that loveth the world loveth not the Father, for the love of the Father is not in him. And don't dig deep roots in this world. This, the songwriter says, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. And that's, that's really what everyone is who's a child of God. And so d- don't get so attached to the things of this world uh, because uh, that's not our life. The Bible says, what is your life? It's a bit of vapor that appears for a little time that vanisheth away. Our roots should be established on that which is heavenly. And so he told Abraham, he said, you got to leave some things. The first thing you got to leave is your country. By the way, you do that when you become a child of God. You say, I don't want to attach. I don't want to be identified with this world. I want my world to be that which is in the heavenlies. It's a place we've not seen. It's a place that we see by faith. Uh, Same with Abraham. He said, I don't have any idea where I'm going, but God said to go. And when you trust Christ as your Savior, we understand from, from the Word of God what heaven is like, but we really won't know everything until we get there. And then he told him, he said, you got to leave some other things, and sometimes that's wrong friends and wrong influences. You know, when I, I remember distinctly when I was a high school senior, and uh, at that point in my life, I had planned to go to law school. And uh, my dad and I had talked about it for many years, and I had already registered at the University of Kentucky, got my dorm assignment, my class schedule, all those things, and then boom, God uh, stuck his finger right in the middle of my life and changed everything. So I never went to law school, and uh, I'm here today because God at that moment intervened and said, no, that's not what I want. I want you to, want you to do this. And so uh, we shifted directions dramatically. But I noticed this. You know, when I made that decision, and I went to public school like many of you and most of you probably, uh, Christian schools were just kind of, a, uh, just kind of starting uh, in, in that respect. There weren't a whole lot of them. But uh, I noticed this. I, I remember uh, right near the end of our senior year <coughs> talking to uh, some of my friends, and we had played ball together, gone through years of school together, and we were all talking about where we were going to go, yada, yada, I'm going to this, going to study this and study that. And uh, most of my friends were going on to uh, do some pretty good things, I think some respectful things. One was uh, going on to medical school, another one to law school, and this, and one was going to study journalism and so forth. And then I remember telling them what it, where I was going. And I almost said it real quickly, so, so that, uh, no, you, know, you know, just, where are you going? I don't know, you know, I just said it real fast. I remember that because I was so intimidated by their choices, and I felt like mine was so inferior. And a m- remarkable thing happened at that point. They bailed on me. I didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, well, what are they going to think? When I said I was going off to Bible college, those friends, uh, all but one of them is the last time I ever saw them again. I never got invited to anything after that because my life was heading a different direction. Not because I was better than them because that's not the point at all. I'm just saying this. There'll come a point in your life when you choose to do right, there'll come a point where separation will be inevitable. It always happens. And so the wisest man who ever lived is telling his son, I'm going to tell you one thing, you better, you better be guarded about the crowd that you run with. So the first point in my father's business is make sure we leave the wrong. Secondly, the Bible says, uh, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. So the first thing is leave the wrong. The second thing is learn the good. Make sure you're teaching somebody. Do you realize that every person in here, it doesn't matter who you are, somebody's looking up to you. You may think, my kids are grown, they're out of the house, nobody's watching me. 
I can remember as a boy looking around, and there were always people of influence, whether it was a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, or my parents, or whoever it might be. There were a lot of things. Uh, I said this a couple of weeks ago. My since my parents both both passed away in the last year plus, and I, I think about my dad every single day. There's never a day that goes by I don't think about my dad. Probably more so than the last few years that he was alive. I, it just, it, it's just there. And there's so much good that I learned from my dad. And I'll tell you this, somebody's looking up to you. Somebody's watching you. They're watching your demeanor. They're watching your faithfulness. I, I say it so many times, you encourage people by being in the house of God. People always notice who's here, who's not, and, and uh, in their place. It doesn't mean any of us are perfect. Not a one of us are. Um, you know, you might have been the family that fussed and fight, fought the entire way to church, and you got out of the parking lot, and you walked in the door, and by that time, you were smiling. Man, you, it's like game on. I'm ready. And you, you know exactly how to be. Hey, listen, there's probably not a family in here that hasn't had a fuss on the way to church. I'm going to raise my hand. I have. Now, maybe none of you have ever done that, and you think, oh, I'm appalled that you would own up to that. Oh, come on. Get over yourself, please. We are. We're over you. Man, I've come to church sometimes, and I'm thinking, how in the world? I know I've got a pastor friend, and he said he and his wife always drive separate. And I said, why? And he said, because I don't want to fuss on the way to church. If something comes up, I want to, I want to be in the right mindset. I heard another pastor who said, his wife told him, he said, boy, from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you're very good to me. It's because he doesn't want his prayers hindered when he steps into the pulpit. I don't know. But you say, do pastors really think that way? No, no, we, I mean, we, we really have it down. But my point is, hey, there's somebody watching us, and so it's very, very careful. Our, we have uh, three granddaughters, and uh, our granddaughter in, uh, in New York, my daughter there, she sent us, me a picture this morning of her waving at me, wishing me uh, happy Father's Day. And then, of course, I saw Reagan and Madison this morning, and uh, um, we're going for all the presidents, Reagan, Madison, and we we'll just, just keep on, I guess. But anyway, as, as some of you didn't get that, that's okay. Um, but now Reagan, man, she picks up on everything. You know, they get to that age where you have to start spelling things. I find myself, and it's so crazy because I'm actually, you, you know, when I, I, I was spelling out treat with my dog in the room because I was afraid the dog was going to figure out what treat is, and so I didn't say the word treat. And so uh, I, I spelled out T-R-E-A-T, and my daughter said, Dad, I don't think he can spell either, so it's okay. It's okay. I'm sure he, he doesn't speak English nonetheless. Uh, I'm not sure. But so here we are with our children, our grandchildren, and so I remember saying something like this. You know, boy, that sure was stupid. And then uh, my daughters are reminding me, because the next moment you hear one of your granddaughters saying that about something or whatever, because they don't know exactly what you mean or how you're using it. So you've got to be very, very careful in your teaching. And so in that passage of Scripture, the Bible says we have a huge responsibility to train up our children. Let me ask you this. What kind of home is your environment? Is a place where children are taught the right way, the right path, the right things, the right words, the right uh, relationships, all of those things. It's where they learn those things. By the way, it can be one of the most stable things or one of the most unsettling. And I realize our time is short, and I do want to hurry, but I, I don't want to forget, and I don't want to bear a little emphasis on that because it is so very, very important what our home is like. Then the third thought is this in regards to our father's business. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord 
be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. Can you imagine the silence as it falls upon the place here? And here is Elijah, the prophet who could call down fire from heaven, a prophet that God used in a magnificent way. And here he is. And he says, listen, he says, just make up your mind. One way or another, if God is God, choose God. If it's Baal, choose Baal. And the Bible says it became silent. The people answered him not a word. They were speechless. They knew exactly what he was saying, and they knew the truth of what he was saying, but many times they didn't make the choice. I mentioned this last Sunday. There are many times when we come and we hear the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, and the Spirit of God speaks to our hearts. We know exactly what we ought to do. If there's a response that God is trying to elicit, if there's something that God is speaking to us very directly about, and He wants us to make this decision or make this move or make this correction, or maybe it's the Word of God giving us encouragement, whatever it might be, sometimes, though, we do find ourselves sitting silent. We answer not a word. Do you really think about this? The God who spoke the world into existence wants to speak to you today. I mean, it's amazing that when David said, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? Think of the most famous person you could possibly think of, whoever it might be. And he showed up at your house today and won an audience with you. You know, just said, hey, could I come in? Whoever that might be president, celebrity, entertainer, and they just happen to show up, knock on your door unannounced, and you, you probably wouldn't turn them away. You probably would say, could you come back? I, I don't have anything ready. Are you kidding? It, it wouldn't, and again, it doesn't matter who it is. If President Trump knocks on your door and, and says he wants to come in, or who, whoever you want to pick, uh, you know, if uh, uh, LeBron James shows up, or whoever, Tiger Woods, or whatever, some celebrity shows up, knocks on your door and says, hey, can I come in? You probably wouldn't say, no, I don't have time for you. Are you kidding? You'd say, let me get my phone. It's amazing. We go, you, you go to a ball game, and it's like people can't even enjoy a game anymore because they got their phones out. I want to capture this, and I want these pictures, and I want these selfies, and, and, and get all that. So they miss the entire experience anyway. But if somebody like that showed up at our house, man, we'd be all over it. Well, God says, you came to my house today. I want to talk to you. Can I have a word with you? The God who spoke the world into existence wants to speak to you. But let's not be the type of people that, uh, that don't love the right. So the first thing is leaving the wrong. Third, second thing is learning the good. The third thing is love the right. So Elijah is telling the people, hey, listen, just make your mind up. You know, most of the time we know what's right. With very little exceptions, we know exactly what we ought to do. It's just a matter of doing it. You know, it's like uh, I, had a, I had an episode with my heart a few years back and the um, so they, they went and put you on that freezing cold slab table and run that, uh, what is it, uh, the little camera through there. And you're, you're awake while they're doing this, right? You're looking over at your arteries on the screen. What am I talking about? Yeah, heart calf. There you go. I, I heard about 10 things. Someone said McDonald's. That's what caused it. But anyway, so... Um, I, Anyway, so heart cath. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at all this, and I'm thinking, and he said, you're going to feel this little flutter in a moment. I'm thinking, dude, you're sticking something through those arteries there, man, and, and, and we're just talking. And you're wide awake. You're, you're looking at it and uh, seeing all this stuff. And then, Well, he came to this one spot, he said, and he said, right there, see that? And I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I want to keep looking at this thing. And uh, so it's this camera going through there, and, and they're taking a picture. And he says, see that where that artery bends right there? And I'm thinking, yeah. And I was freezing. You ever notice how those rooms are just like, it's, it's like you could hang meat in there. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, make me comfortable when you're scaring me to death. But anyway, and so he said, we got this little bend there, and there, there's some blockage there. And blockage is a bad thing when they got the camera there, right? 
And he said, so we got some options, and uh, these are options. And so he, <laughs> he puts all those options out there, and some of those options are eat right, exercise, you know, all the, you know, avoid fried foods and all those different things that we all love so much. And, and so, man, he, he puts all those things out. But, you know, when I got up from there, I had a choice because I didn't like the fact that, you know, I, I, I was borderline, you know, close to a heart attack, you know, when he mentions those words. And, I, you know, I wasn't in terrible shape or anything like that, but he said, uh, this is the problem. So here's what you need to do. You know what? I didn't walk out of there and say, you know, man, I appreciate it. You're probably good at what you do, but you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and keep doing what I do. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. You know, I'll just keep doing my thing. But sometimes we come to church and we treat God the same way. Now, the Bible does reference him as the, the, the physician and certainly the great physician, but when you have spiritual matters, why would you trust anybody other than the Lord Jesus Christ? And if God speaks to your heart this morning, any service, doesn't matter what it is, Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Thursday night, or when you're on your own reading your Bible or driving down the road at, uh, after service today, and the Spirit of God begins to speak to your heart, don't say, no, I'm good. You see, because you've got to make a decision, I love the right thing. And so I, I'm not going to waver on that, whether it's the Word of God, whether it's my family, whether it's Christians, whether it's others, whatever it might be. And so here he comes to the prophet, and he says, listen, he says, what do you want to do? And he said, you know God is God. You know the Word of God is true. Why are you stuck between two opinions? So if I'm busy about my father's business, leave the wrong, learn the good, love the right, then may I say this further. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, this is the way, this is the prophet Isaiah, walk ye in it when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. Do you know what God has done for each and every one of us is He's given us a clear pattern, a clear example, a path. And uh, you've got a choice. You can stay on that path or you can get off of it. Um, and, you know, I remember a number of years ago when I was running a, a race, and um, this is a long time ago because my running has really slipped in recent days. But um, but I, I remember running a race, and there was a marked section in the route, and it was, uh, uh, it was uh, I think it was a 13, it was, it, it was a mini marathon, a half marathon. And my brother and I were running together, and there was a part where the, the route looked a little unclear. And I remember thinking, uh, boy, do we go to the left or do we go to the right? We were watching some of the runners, and it looked like some of them had split. And so I'm trying to figure out where, where are these guys going? Because the path was not real clear. Well, we went to the right, happened to be the right way, and those guys got down about 200 yards further and realized they had made the, a wrong turn there. And uh, they never marked the course that way again after that particular race. But, boy, I thought, you know, the Word of God has always been pretty clear. You see, I never have a, I never have a problem with the things in the Bible that are unclear because there's so much about the Bible that is clear. And so when God says, this is the way, I, I heard a voice, the prophet Isaiah said, I heard him speaking and he told me this way, this path, this direction. It's up to you to obey. You don't have to. God never twists anybody's arms. He never makes any of us. He, there's not a one of you today that's going to leave church and say, well, God made me because he never has. It's the free will of man. Do you realize that, it, listen, if you're here this morning, you can reject God and he'll let you. You can say, I realize that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, but I'm not ready. God will let you leave lost. God won't force you. When the offering plate was passed, nobody coerced you. Nobody said, uh, it, nobody said hey, we're going to send it again. We didn't get enough. We, we didn't do that. You know, we, we understand that it is a 
free will gesture on your behalf. God never makes you. He doesn't make you do anything. But he said, this is the path. Go this way. Yesterday as we were playing golf, it said, stay on the path. And uh, uh, some of you, if you stayed on the path, you'd never have any idea where your balls were because they were kind of all over the place, right? But that path, it says, please stay, and you can only enter at 90 degrees. And some of you are not sure what that means. It meant straight in, and you leave from right there and go back on the path. That path leads you from one hole to the next. Nobody went out there and said, you know what? I know they got this path. They spent a lot of money paving it. They got all these great signs, but I'm just going to come out here and wing it. Gonna go, and I don't even want to go in order. I like that hole. That looks cool. I'm going to go over there now. And I know there's some guys on there, but I'm just going to go up and do my own thing. It won't be too long. They'll have this guy coming around in a cart who's called a marshal. And he'll tell you, you can't do your own thing. There's a way that you have to do this. Well, how different is life? God says there is a right way. And so make sure you lead that way. Then finally, last thought. The Bible says about Abraham, for I know him... This is God having a conversation with the Trinity. It's an amazing encounter. For I know him, that he will command his children, his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. And the fifth thought is this, look the right way. In other words, God says, I know him. I think one of the great challenges here is God says, can I trust you? Can God trust you? You see, God has given you responsibilities, and sometimes it is our children. That's a huge responsibility. Man, I think back, you know, God has blessed my wife and I with four daughters. And I hope I've, I know I haven't done perfect. And I know that I, I wish I had done better in a lot of areas. But I realize that God says about Abraham, he said, I know him. I know how he's going to train his kids. I know how he's going to lead them. And so, when we take the passage of Scripture in the New Testament about my father's business, there are some things in life that are very clear, and they're applicable to each and every one of us. And the first one is this, you better leave the wrong. So, somebody this morning, maybe you have some wrong things in your life. God says, you got to bail on that. Sometimes it's learning the good, those things that I know that are good. Sometimes it's loving the right things and loving the Word of God, loving the people of God, loving the family of God, loving the house of God. Sometimes it's leading the right way, and sometimes it's simply looking right. Because God said, oh, Abraham, man, I know him. I know what kind of a guy he is. I know how he's going to lead his family. I know the pattern and example he's going to be. And so may God help us to, in this lifetime, whether you're man or woman, boy or girl, be about our Father's business. Shall we stand with our heads bowed, our eyes closed? Just five very quick thoughts that could be applicable to each and every one of us in regards to our life, in regards to living in a way that is pleasing to Him, and that is leaving the wrong, learning the good, loving the right, leading the right way, and looking right. How about you this morning? Maybe you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in this life. Maybe you're here this morning, God spoke to you about some things that you need to leave, some things that you need to bail on. Maybe it's a crowd. Maybe it's a friends. Maybe it's our influences. Maybe it's some things we're doing. But if God spoke to you this morning, God always invites you to make a move. He doesn't waste an opportunity to encounter with mankind. Let's be faithful to be obedient to Him as He speaks to us. Lord, would you bless in our time of invitation.
we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. While the piano plays softly, if God's spoken to you this morning, would you mind the Lord? Just very, very quickly. There's someone who'd say, boy, I, I really want to be following the Lord. I want to make sure that I'm doing the right things, leading the right way, following the right paths. Several folks have come. You're certainly welcome to pray there at your seat. But let's make sure we're mindful. I have decided to follow Jesus. How many of you know that song? Can you sing it with me? Here we go at the very beginning. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I was written by a young man who left a very strict religious background and was eventually martyred for his faith. Sundar Singh became a Christian evangelist in Persia and uh, was attacked for spreading his faith and was really, he was abandoned by his family. Um, I think about the words in that one verse, though no one joined me, still I will follow. Lost his life for his faith. And uh, boy, we've been singing that for many, many years. I have decided to follow Jesus. Well, I'm very excited to have uh, Damien and Jamie and uh, their little one back. And by the way, uh, Damien is sporting some Father's Day socks that have a picture of his little girl on them. So ask him to let you see those. And uh, but they have moved back here from Colorado, and they are coming this morning to unite with Timberline once again. And uh, we're very, very glad to have them back. And so I'm going to invite them to stick around up here at the front. Most of you know them. Uh, many of you, if you're new uh, since they've left, they've been gone about a year. But I'm very glad to have them coming back. And uh, please take a moment to come by and shake their hands. Uh, then uh, I want to do one more thing just very, very quickly. Don't forget, fathers, as you leave, um, get some cupcakes. And then uh, I, I need to check... Um, I don't see, um, how many, do we have plenty of gift cards still left? We do have plenty. Okay, so let's do this then. Um, because, uh, boy, I pre- those ladies not only made all of those cupcakes, um, they decorated those gift cards. So, so cool. Um, so what we want to do is if, if you did not get one, but you're a, a college young person, or a recent high school graduate. We'll come down to that level. I think we probably have enough for that. So if you are out of high school, effective like within the last 30 days, or in college, we're going to give you a Father's Day gift card too. So hold your hand up if that's you. Hold your hand up. Let's see. All of the guys who are, uh, you're, you're a guy and you're either just out of high school or you're in college. Hold your hands up good and high. Okay. One, two, come on, come on. Where, where are my ushers? I kind of sprung it on them. Oh, they're, they're at Dutch Bros with the other gift cards. Okay, so maybe so. All right, here's, here's what to do. 
it, on your way out because I don't, I don't see them. So um, I'm going um, to let, oh, we got them, rescued. All right. So uh, hold your hands up and uh, w- let's do this quickly. Adam, if you can help with that, hold your hand up good and high. You didn't get one and you want one. And uh, there you go, toss them. All right. If they can't catch it, they don't deserve it. All right. Hold your hand up there. We've got two over here, Adam, on the far right. We've got a couple guys with their hands up over here. And uh, there we go. All right, so we got high school and up. Now, I'm not going to go any lower than that, okay, just because you're a guy. Come on, all right? So are we good? All right. And uh, don't forget and take a look at that beautiful display out there. Michelle, make sure you guys take a picture of that. That's pretty awesome. A lot of work went into that, and I appreciate them helping with that so very, very much. All right. Uh, Robert, why don't you come up and dismiss us in prayer, and then don't